Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. And I'm Notch. Caleb is out. This week, Minnesota United find the sun they've been searching for. Benteke betrays teammates by going solo on penalty. And Jose witnesses the firepower of this fully armed and operational Manchester City. I decided to give in this week and install Neko Atsume on my mobile phone. And by the way, do we call them mobile phones anymore? Or is it just my phone? My phone. I'm pretty sure it's just my phone. Okay, yeah. So I installed Neko Atsume on my, my phone. And it's that cat collector game. Have you heard of this? I have heard of this. Uh, one of my coworkers is... I wouldn't say obsessed with it, but is um, an aficionado of it. Okay. It's been at the periphery of my consciousness for a while. Because you, you, now that I've, I look back, I've seen like the... It is a very distinct art style. And I've been seeing like illustrations of the cats from this game all over the place. And it makes no sense. Like this game is completely like crazy. All you do is you buy like little rubber balls or like little cat food and put it out and then these cats come and visit your like virtual backyard you take these little virtual photographs of the cats and then make a little cat book that catalogs all the cats who come visit and when the cats leave they leave you gifts which you can then use to buy more toys for the cats like this it has no point yeah no aspect of that seems like it should be an effective game no nothing like 16 pages each with four cats that you just have to like and then there are like rare cats and all. It makes no sense. But I've been playing it like multiple times a day. It's really very cute. And I don't, it shouldn't make me happy. It's not like you do get that like, you know, satisfaction playing the game. Like when I play FIFA, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And there's none of that. It's just like, oh, this cat showed up and is playing with the little box I put out there. And there's a cat sitting in a bus shaped box that I put out there. It's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. It seems very wholesome, actually. It is. It is very, very wholesome. Nothing bad happens. And then there's a cat that like eats too much, and it, it's 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 ridiculous. Like it makes no sense. I mean, I was kind of worried that it would be a little bit like Neopets or something, where if you neglect the cats, bad things would happen to them. Because no. that's something that happened to me as a child, and I am still traumatized as a result. <laughs> so I, I'm glad for you that. Any sort of, like, if you don't log in and you don't give the cats their their bus boxes or something, they wither away and die. Like, that sounds like... <laughs> that, but this is why Caleb's not here. Taylor forgot to, like, feed him and, you know, like, take care of him. And so he's, like, withering away now slowly in a little digital form, right? That's why he's not here today, basically. I mean, he's not here because he's sick. Maybe that is what's happening. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just Taylor's forgotten to, like, go into the Neopets account and, like, get him what he needs to to be fit. But, no, in Neko Atsume, the cats just go to another backyard and they don't come to yours anymore. That's the only thing that happens. There, I mean, there are a million phones out there. So, you know. That basically um, does sound like cats. Yeah. It's, oh, man, this game is, like, weird. Um... I wonder what the soccer equivalent of that game would be. Like, <laughs> a game where you sign players and then they just, like, are happy and then leave. And, you know, I don't know. Neko at Slune? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on, on that point, let's move on to a segment that we call... Loon Monitoring. In We Call It Soccer, Loon Monitoring is our segment where we talk about our loons, Minnesota United FC, who this past week uh, signed their first player for 2018. And, man... I mean, when I think of the first signing of the year, a, a statement must be made a, of intent. A, a, uh, 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 it, it must be a player who exemplifies what we as a team require going forward. A player who the fans can really take to heart, feel really hyped. And that player is Harrison Heath. You really need to change your expectations, bro. <laughs> Like, lower them significantly or realize that maybe time doesn't actually have anything to do with this stuff. And people, I mean, for, like, the last two weeks, people have been joking, like, we're going to sign Harrison Heath, aren't we? Of course we're going to sign Harrison Heath. And lo and behold, Adrian Heath's son is a loon. <laughs> I mean, 
I feel like us even talking about this is expending way too much energy on this move. <laughs> like, but so what, what did what did we give up for Mr. Heap? Um, so Minnesota traded a 2019 fourth round pick, which is about as valuable as a box top for education. So who was our fourth round pick last last season? Tanner Thompson. Oh man, we could have. I mean, that was that made for a lot of great jokes on this podcast. So yeah, yeah, and giving D eleven a great player for them. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, Jack Elliott was a fourth round pick, right, for Philly Union. Yeah, so. Jack Elliott, uh, Dominique Baji was a fourth round pick, and he's been a player who exists. And I mean, this is those, Atlanta. Yeah, those literally are the two only players that have. Oh wait, no, uh, Josh Smith, who plays for New England has played more than five games. Now, now, this is Atlanta that we're talking about. So, obviously, they're going to use this pick to basically get the next Beckham. Like, you know how in FIFA, when um, a player like Beckham retires, they regen a new player who's very young but has the same potential? Like, that's who they're going to get, basically, is 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 how this is going to work. Because this is Atlanta, and they can't seem to do anything wrong, much to my chagrin. Yeah, um... I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that's not actually going to happen. So his uh, illustrious career of Harrison Heath is seven games, 358 minutes, uh, played six minutes in the U.S. Open Cup for Atlanta, which Atlanta United supporters blame for them being ejected from that competition versus Miami FC. Apparently, he had a very bad game. Yes. Um, so I, I've said this in other places, but I'm I'm hoping this is Harrison Heath's blockbuster breakout year where he just is amazing the next coming of ronaldo uh fat ronaldo um cristiano is still playing so you know, yeah he, yeah we yeah. kind of have a next coming of someone who's already there so i mean i i hope he doesn't come back as fat ronaldo but like if he comes back as like decently in shape ronaldo i wouldn't mind if he had ronaldo. the triangle haircut though oh i, I need him to or, have the triangle yeah. haircut yeah okay all right sounds good okay cool 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 so so essentially we have the next r9 on, on our team which is which is fantastic anything else happen um not really i do want to say one thing about the harrison heath trade um Harrison Heath was listed on the uh, players that would be made available in the waiver draft, Mm -hmm. which needlessly let people in Minnesota United Twitter go apeshit Mm -hmm. about the nepotism aspect of it. Yeah, it's Adrian Heath's son. Of course, it's nepotistic. Who cares? The reason that they did have to trade for him as opposed to pick him up in the waiver draft is that Harrison Heath is going to take up the 30th spot on the roster. That spot specifically is for players that have homegrown status, which he would lose if he were picked up in the waiver draft. Okay. So he actually did need to cost something. So a player who's born in England is a homegrown player in Minnesota, despite never having played for us before. MLS, guys. Yeah. MLS. So, I okay, you touched on something that, I mean, given if we had, you know, full slate of MLS games, I wouldn't go here to d- discuss this quickly. But since we have nothing else to talk about this week, yeah, why don't we, we touch very quickly on the point? You said nepotism. Who cares? Do we care? Should we care about nepotism? I think that we were angry and we care specifically for the reason that you spelled out in this being a statement signing or something like that. No, we're mad because this is the first thing that's happened. But this is a league minimum salary that's going to go to a guy who Alex Schieferdecker at least insists is not even qualified to play in this league is probably at best a USL player. He's probably at best a USL player, which is what we could hope to get from a 2019 fourth round pick. He doesn't cost against our salary budget. If we really cared that much about the money that's going out of Bill McGuire's pocket, Mm -hmm. then um, I'm going to sell all two of my shares in United Health Group and completely tank him. As as a protest vote, who was didn't Roberto Mancini sign his son to? Um, was his son Al, Alberto Mancini? What was his Andrea name? Mancini? I think Andrea Mancini, and he, I think he signed him to. Was it Man City? 
Uh, let me let me look this up. I yeah. do, I do know that Muammar Gaddafi's son was signed by I think Parma for just a little while. <laughs> um, I mean, DC United has Baron Trump in its academy. Right. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I. All right. I I I'm a hundred percent serious when I say this. I have no doubt that influence played a role in that, but we don't know about if he's any good at soccer. He's an Arsenal fan, so he obviously. Oh wait, no, no, never mind. I'm I'm terrible at it, so that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Uh, this guy Andrea Mancini was actually signed to Manchester City as his first club, in fact, and he's he he went there uh, in 2010 for his youth career. So I don't know. There's some. I I will say that it it's one of those things where I'm like, ugh, this shouldn't happen, but what the hell, man? I mean, if I have if my dad was a coach. Or if I had a son, I would probably have a massive blind spot for that kid as well and want him to like get the most opportunities as possible. Speaking of probably the worst case of nepotism in Minnesota recent sports history uh-huh. uh, happened when the Minnesota Twins signed both sons of Joe Vavra, who was one of their um, bench coaches. Uh-huh. Um, so they signed both of them out of the same draft class. And... One of them was legally blind. <laughs> oh. He still played for two years in the Minnesota Twins minor league system. Interesting. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that if Harrison Heath can play even a minute of MLS, it's not as glaringly bad as that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I I am very... I will say that I, as a postscript to Minnesota United segment, I do feel quite a bit of envy for the Timbers for something that we're going to bring up in just a second and and what could have been, you know, speaking of coaching uh, last year. But anyway, with that, let's move into a segment now that we call The Major Listing Service. In The Major Listing Service segment, we cover the latest news from MLS Major League Soccer. And this past week, we had the MLS Cup. 2017 what up yeah carnival soccer week-long extravaganza of american soccer a showcase of the domestic game that took place in canada well yeah i mean domestic to canada and the united states come on i'm being inclusive i still think that molson is an import oh well that's wrong of you. This podcast is simultaneously being translated into French for our uh, Quebecois listeners. So I would expect Wait, a little bit Wait, you said that it's being translated into French for the Quebecois? Have you been to Quebec before? I, have I, you listened I, I, to somebody yeah. from Quebec speak before? We? Oui? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyone that speaks French as like a, a French speaker will tell you that the Quebecois accent is basically like the southern drawl, but with all of the negative stereotypes uh-huh. heightened like 7,000%. Okay. Well, I'll make sure that we have all of that happening in our simultaneous translation into Quebecois for, for our friends in Montreal. And uh, speaking of Montreal, their rivals, Toronto, were in the MLS Cup playing Seattle in a replay of last year's tournament. Uh, which I think all of everyone listening to this by now will know that Toronto won two nil. You watched the second half of this game, and and I watched some of the first half. Which, uh, let's be honest, the first half happened exactly the way that I expected this game to go, mm-hmm. with Toronto being dominant but not actually scoring anything. With Seattle. I think they got one shot off in the first half, which is better than you could say for the entire game last year. <laughs> what what did happen to Seattle? Because these guys hadn't conceded a goal since, you know, 1892 and managed to come into this game and just fall flat. Toronto happened. Um, Josie Altidore happened. Michael Bradley happened. Victor Vasquez happened. I was going to say Sebastian Giovinco happened, but he only happened for the assist. On um, Altidore's goal? Correct. Uh, Toronto are very, very much the best team in MLS history. Should Stefan Fry get called up to the U.S. men's national team on the back of this performance? On the back of his performances throughout the season? Sure. On the back of his performances throughout the playoffs? Absolutely. fucking 
Nine saves out of 11 in this game on target shots. The two he didn't save, of course, being the goals. And um, yeah, so that was the game and, and Toronto won it, blah, blah, blah. I want to talk very quickly about the hype around this cup because last year I feel like it was, we're going into MLS. So I had some like residual hype from that that kept me going through the playoffs. I'll be quite honest, I could not care less about the MLS Cup this year because the the day rolled around. There was a Manchester Derby and the Merseyside Derby the next day, um, which I had a little bit of an interest in watching. I had some things to do. You know, nothing like... It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to boycott MLS and MLS Cup, like dollar sign you, I'm going to go suck. None of that stuff. It was just literally like I had other things to do. And to be honest, on a Saturday afternoon, I could not justify putting on the TV. And by the way, it wasn't on MLS Live. So the convenience factor was also not there for me because I don't have cable here. Yeah. I mean, the reason I didn't watch the first probably 35 minutes of the game is because just like you... It was a Saturday around the holiday season. I had other things going on. Wasn't Army-Navy also playing that day? You say that like I wanted to watch a game that had two passes. No, no. Um, the point I'm about to yeah, make yeah, is yeah. that viewership was down, what is it, 43% between Univision and ESPN. Um, Canadian viewership, different numbers and more impressive. But still, the ratings were down. And I don't know why MLS does this. Like, because... I am a 31-year-old soccer fan with not a shit ton of money, but I have a disposable income. Let's just put it that way. I spend some money on MLS. I have a Christmas ornament that I purchased for my team. I am their sponsor's target demographic, or at least part of it. And I couldn't be bothered to watch the game. And I'm not saying like I am everybody, but if they can't convince me as someone who's really into domestic soccer for a variety of reasons not to tune into what should be the biggest game of the year, what's the bloody point? Like... How has this not been addressed? The the playoffs are too long. So by the time you get to the MLS Cup, if my team's been knocked out, my interest in the tournament diminishes steadily as time goes on. And what if they just played an East versus West, one versus one game the weekend after the regular season ended? Like, and never mind the fact that this was that game. <laughs> well, Portland wasn't in it, but... Yeah, I mean... But but for all intents Portland, and purposes. Yeah, let's just be real. Portland didn't have any business being the number one seed in the West. But the the point being, it's if that had happened, you could at least have the regular season hype going into the MLS Cup. There are people still interested. The international break hasn't interrupted anything. Yeah. And I, I have previously defended playoffs as saying there can be such a thing as the magic of the cup. I enjoyed the NASL championship when our team was in there, when it wasn't. It was still, like, interesting enough. So I'm not one of those, yeah, playoffs suck. It's just the way MLS does it is boring, man. I can't PRs. Yeah, it, there needs to be some way to make it more interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if you go to a some sort of basically a round-robin stage and then have the top two teams from that play. I don't know if you find some way to, you know, air these games when other things aren't happening. Yeah. And and honestly, like, even for a in-the-middle-of-the-holiday-season, you really cannot pull off putting it on a Sunday because of NFL. Yeah. You can't pull off pretty much any time other than late afternoon on that Saturday. The timing definitely does need to change. I think that's the main thing. And to be quite frank, I think this is leading me to believe that MLS, along with the USSF, require some change in leadership of people who actually understand soccer fans a little bit better. I will give Don Garber his due that he saved the league and did a lot of good and, you know, brought in the Atlantas and LAs of this world. Like, good for him. His business metrics are strong. Great. But I think... At this point now, we've started to stagnate. And if the MLS Cup, the showcase of U.S. soccer, cannot, with two star-studded teams, this was not Houston versus Columbus, by the way, which everyone was afraid of. This was freaking Seattle with Dempsey and Stefan Fry and all these guys. And, you know, your Jovinko and your your Bradley and your Altidore. If you can't draw people into that game, I mean, that's that's a failure of leadership. Like, so, so, so there needs to be some sort of major 
um, I think, change. And, and there have been some purely business decisions that have led to this. At least for me, the whole Columbus crew situation is playing a damper on my love for the league and like how much I feel strongly about domestic soccer. So 100%. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be frank, if they don't give a shit about community, like why should... I mean, let me put it this way. Manchester Derby, Merseyside Derby versus the MLS Cup. Why would I be loyal to the MLS Cup? For intangible reasons of, you know, loyalty to the domestic league. But the league demonstrated this year that it doesn't have that loyalty for its fans. So, I don't know. Like, I I think there needs to be some major rethink. Because, you know, the approach so far has worked enough to get us this far. But I think to go further, they need to create a product that isn't NFL light. And we're at NFL light right now. Yeah. Uh, I will throw this possibility in there. Um how much do people really want to celebrate a star-studded game that includes the captain of the U.S. team that failed to make the World Cup, the star striker of the U.S. team that failed to make the World Cup, the other star striker of the U.S. team that failed to make the World Cup? I feel like that at least dampened the surrounding hype about the game. I, it, I would say maybe it didn't necessarily for me, but I, I do think the everybody hating. Bradley and Altador as they went through the playoffs kind of showed that Toronto basically only had a reason to exist to be a heel team. And maybe this was something that's in the notes later, but I, I want to go into it right now, which is Danny Williams comments today in an, in an interview that he did. Hercules Gomez took a couple of choice screenshots and he was talking about, first of all, he talked about Bruce Arena, who apparently um, told him something like, I haven't seen you play but I like you or something like I didn't I didn't call you because I hadn't seen you play, which is absurd that a guy who's been in the national team picture for about around a decade, Bruce Arena didn't know enough about him. But forget about that. The second screenshot that was in there talked about how some of the players who Danny Williams met in Portugal speculated. And let me put it this way. This, this isn't like someone saying someone told me this is what happened. But Danny Williams said in conversations, it came up how the World Cup qualification was being used to market MLS or as a showcase for MLS. And that corroborates in my head with what I've seen from Don Garber and from the USSF with the way that they reacted so negatively to Jurgen Klinsmann's comments about US players going abroad, how they have kind of shielded guys like Bradley from not only criticism from coming back from Europe, but also just this week with criticism from people who are rightfully upset at them and have been criticizing them, you know, Columbus fans who who were quite nasty to Bradley. Garber came out and said some stuff about, oh, this is unprecedented in the world of soccer, this, this kind of criticism, which I'm like, bro, no. It's unprecedented here just because you don't get criticism of domestic players as much as... Well, and, and which other sport in this country has players who play abroad and, and where it matters what they do abroad? Maybe basketball in the Olympics back when pros, like, you know, that just come in. But even that, like, maybe hockey. I don't know. I, I don't think there's a comparable thing. So, I mean, this all I'm saying is this goes back to what I'm saying about this kind of bubble that current MLS leadership is in, where they need some a different point of view. Yeah. And and some and your you, what you're saying about the U.S. national team situation, I think some of that is their creation, and and this is something they brought on themselves by not accepting what everyone else around the world, like J- Jerry has told us, which is that, you know, if you got a shit league at home, you got to go abroad to play, right? So, but the question is, you know, how do you make MLS into a better league? This ties into our next thing to talk about. MLS is going to throw a bunch of allocation money at teams. Uh, Isn't this some of that ownership allocation money, which they have to, uh, they can choose to spend if they want, but it's self-funded? Okay, so uh, let's just dive into this. For 2018 and 2019, um, an extra $1.2 million in TAM is going to be provided to each team. The 2019 funds, they can use right away. So it's mm-hmm. basically teams are getting $2.4 million to spend. On top of that, that's where you get into the ownership added funds of $2.8 million as a cap per team. So the Atlantas of the world will spend that money, whereas the Stan Kroenke's of this world in Colorado will probably not. More than likely. Yeah. So, so 
again, this this brings up the question of why don't you just raise the fucking cap? <laughs> and what about parity and all these other questions that we yeah. always ask I mean, ourselves? <laughs> again, like MLS definitely is stuck between wanting parity, wanting it so each team is actually able to be successful. Uh-huh. But also wanting to make it so you can jump ahead. And by the way, the ratings for the Manchester Derby at what something like ten thirty in the morning on a Sunday, higher than the MLS Cup by about a hundred thousand in this country. That's a league where the title is all but decided and you know, where City are spending huge bucks, there's no parity and I mean, I'm not saying end parity because I think there are some really good things about it. I like the salary cap, for example. But I'm just saying, if we're talking about some of these things, we got to be honest with ourselves about how, how much these very complicated roster rules are helping MLS. I think, for myself at least, I see a lot of GMs just not really focus on gaming the roster rules in their advantage. You look at a team like Toronto, you see, okay, they really spent hard on their DP signings. Then they went out and signed a about as expensive of a TAM signing as you can with Victor Vasquez. That's what pushed them over the top. That's what led them to be one of the best teams possible. For a team like them, now you add in another $2.8 million that ownership can spend. They're going to do it in part because they need to maintain a aging core, but also because they know how to do it. Yeah. Whereas I look at a team like Colorado, I look at a team, frankly, like Minnesota, where I doubt that they're going to dip that far in. They might spend additional funds beyond the 1.2 million. Nobody's really said either way. I look at those teams, and what did we do with our TAM this year? We spent it on money to bring in Vadim Demidov, who was a $550,000 <laughs> signing. Aside from the fact that he was terrible, <laughs> there's also the fact that you're spending a small amount of that money on a bunch of players. That yeah. doesn't mean that you get a difference maker. That means that you get somebody from abroad that's probably going to be league level. Minnesota misspending those monies from a scouting perspective, notwithstanding. There's also the fact that if you spend, you know, an extra hundred thousand on twelve players as opposed to spending six hundred thousand each on two players you're going to get better difference makers mm -hmm. when you spend more of that money. I think that's going to be the main way that they actually do bring in difference makers in the league. It's going to be the teams that are smart enough to find guys that will dominate in this league. And to go back to our previous discussion, there seems to be a desire to have it all. You want parity, but you also want to spend. You also want to get better players. You want your people to come back from Europe. You also want to do well internationally. And these goals aren't all compatible. You cannot hold people back and from spending and then hope to become a world-class league. That is not going to happen. This isn't like American football where America has the, the um, monopoly on it. Frankly, this isn't like every other sport where like American football, the United States is basically the only country that does it. Basketball, NBA pretty much has a monopoly on good yeah. players. And, and 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 instead, though, when when a Columbus Crew type situation comes up, all we're told is this is America, like this is the way it's done in other sports. Where my argument is, no, you you can't treat this like any other league. That is that is it's like OK Cupid deciding to make their messaging exactly like Tinder, which they did this week. And then I just asked, why am I not just using Tinder? And that's what I did. I installed my OK Cupid profile because I don't need a Tinder clone. I'd rather just use Tinder. So. Anyway, uh, with that, let's move into the MLS teams using their version of Tinder, which they probably call Trader, and, and making some signings. Did that work as a segue? I think that worked as I a segue. I think it only works so long as Trader is spelled T-R-A-D-R. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, we could make a game. You should, like, trademark that one. 
and then or, and then we can make a, another one called trademarker with the, anyway uh so lafc did a bunch of stuff this week walker zimmerman was uh signed from fc dallas I love this move for LA. I think they spent a little bit too much money, and I'm worried. How that, much? Uh, so it's five hundred thousand split between both Tam and Gam equally. They also swapped the allocation ranks. Um, FC Dallas goes to number one. LAFC goes to number eleven. I hate talking about MLS trades. I know. I know. Just, <laughs> just deal with it for the next couple of minutes. Um, let's, let's talk about LAFC before we talk about the other stuff that happened. They had the expansion draft just this afternoon. Indeed. And, and they picked five players. Who did they pick? Uh, Tyler Miller, the backup goalkeeper from Seattle, had a good game, I think, second leg of the Western Conference Finals. Whatever. Uh, Latif Blessing from Sporting Kansas City. Wait, wait, wait. LA has a diving team now? Apparently. They're going to the Olympics? Interesting. I guess they're not Russia. Um, Marco Urania from San Jose, which ruins my dream trade to get rid of Johan Venegas. Um, (laughs) And then both Raheem Edwards and uh, Yuka Raitala um, from Toronto FC and Columbus, respectively, who they then flipped to Montreal uh, for Laurent Simon. This is a very amusing trade because now Raheem Edwards, two days after he won the MLS Cup, finds himself at his team's rivals. <laughs> and not only uh, one of the tweets I saw, I think it was after he had like gotten like spiked in a tackle or something. So it's him grimacing, and then on top it says your reaction when you go from winning the title with Toronto to having to play for Montreal next year. Exactly. It's very amusing. And then the the kind of tragic part of this is Laurent Simon, who came to Montreal specifically because his Belgian, he's Belgian, his Belgian daughter, who's five, is autistic, requires, he wanted her to have the best autistic tre- autism treatment possible but with a specialist who spoke to her in French, which, of course, in Montreal is possible. Now, going to L.A., that's not going to be possible. Simon, from what I understand, was looking at Montreal as his home for the long haul. Uh, What has come out recently is that perhaps there was some trouble with his next contract negotiation, and so instead of letting him go for free next year, they decided to just trade him. They didn't tell him that this trade was happening. He decided to retweet a whole bunch of angry stuff about that people were saying about how this is all bogus. And, uh, I mean, I I feel bad for the guy. This is kind of... uh, It's pretty terrible that you don't tell a player you're training. That's really poor form. Yeah, and that's apparently what happened with Simon. It's also apparently what happened with Ozzy Alonso in um, not being on the protected list, which he then took to Instagram and Twitter before actually having his end-of-year meeting with Seattle, which supposedly happened this morning. Yeah, a dude's probably leaving. I mean, he's old. He's, he gets injured too often these days, so I'm not surprised that they didn't protect him. But damn, I mean, tell the guy. He's a legend that they're over there, man. Exactly. So, uh, talking about some other trades that happened, Darlington Nagby and Gibenga Arokoyo are rumored to be traded to Atlanta for $1.9 million in allocation money. Big trade there. K Kamara is in Vancouver, New England, gets a 2019 first and conditional 2020 second round picks. DC have traded for Darren Maddox. Hilariously large contract, which, why is it hilarious again? He's making 450000 a year. Well, he does have that one game every year where he just blows everyone's socks off before going into hibernation again. Yeah, I remember hearing the Maddox for Venegas was going to happen last year. And I was like, oh, my God, this sounds so great. And then somebody told me that Maddox makes 450000 a year. And I realized the error of my ways very quickly. Yeah, Portland also received a international slot. That's literally all they received for Darren Maddox. That's how much it costs to get rid of Darren Maddox. Pretty amusing. And then uh, there are... All but confirmed reports tonight that Gio Savarese is going to become the head coach of the Portland Timbers. Good for him. Now we can finally end the, the speculation of when Gio will make it to MLS. I did promise this very quickly. If a bunch of people spend like Gio Savarese, like he did with the Cosmos, does he end up being all that good? Uh, I'm just throwing that out there as a question. I think... I, the Cosmos were not as dominant this year 
when they were not to the big spender. But they still made it to the the you know the big finish and and did pretty well. So I mean I'm I'm not holding my breath, but I'm I'm kind of excited for what he can do and still kind of envious that he gets this experiment with with Portland. Um, and I don't know if I want him to succeed or fail because if he fails, then you know he won't be able to get another MLS job. So maybe I want him to succeed for about five years and then we get him. So I want him to succeed for two years and then still be rated enough to get a job. He he succeeds for one year and then in 2019 we lure him away with our brand new stadium. Ooh. Okay. So anyway, uh, with that, let's dip very quickly. We're running a little late on our first. Uh, part of this episode but let's dip very quickly into the pyramid scheme let's make like those egyptians like mo salah and cover news from the rest of the u.s soccer pyramid we didn't cover it last week because we didn't get around to it um the proposed d3 league run by peter wiltz um nisa announced that they will not start until at least after the world cup next summer um the announcement stated that they only accepted three of the eight bids that they had so far. Also, that the ongoing issues with NASL having a hearing on Friday for their injunction oh, have fun. yeah have soured um, their potential ability to institute pro rel, but they're also looking at it as a growth opportunity because they might be able to bring in some of those teams. I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't think NISA ever happens. Uh, I'm going to just throw this out there. I need you to start calling it NISA for fun purposes. So it's it's kind of better when you say NISA. Like, nice that to meet you. You know what I'm saying? Like, Let's let's throw this whole league on nice. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! With that, I think it's time to take a break right here, so we can all uh, get that laughter out put of our system. Put some nice uh, on that burn. Oh God, I hate you. I really do. Um, let's take a break right here. We'll return with news from the U.S. national teams, England, and the rest of the world. Have you had the scotch called Amroth? No. If you if you go to Merlin's restaurant in the Twin Cities, there's a guy named Bill who I think he's Irish or Scottish. I forgot. I think he's Irish, but he calls it Amroth. Anyway, Amroth, A M R U T, is a single malt. It's not actually a scotch that is made in Bangalore, India. And I forget exactly what the ratio is, but it's something like one year of aging in Scotland is equivalent or. Three or four years of aging in Scotland, I can't remember which one, is equivalent to one year in Bangalore because of the increased heat and humidity. And they also lose a lot more in from the cask. So the angel share, the stuff that evaporates outside the right, cask, yeah. cask is much higher at Amrath. So it's it's they've they've had to be a little bit creative in their distilling, but I think it was in two thousand nine. It was actually whiskey the the major whiskey magazine, whiskey taster, or whiskey guide, or whatever. Rated whiskey them, advocate, something like that. Yeah, they rated them the best single malt in the world. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So um, it's it's a little hard to come by bottles, but if I had some last night at Merlin's Rest, they have um, some of the. I, I didn't really like the one that I had. I've had the there. I think it's called the Fusion before, and I like that a lot more. But I had the Intermediate Sherry, which is kind of an unwieldy name for a single malt. And it was okay. Decidedly, yeah. I usually don't like scotches, especially um, or you know most whiskeys in general that are um, wine casked. Okay. I I don't know why. I I just don't think it pairs well with usually what you get out of the I mean, the spirit. My favorite whiskey is well, it's not my favorite, but it's like the 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 most like quote unquote drinkable. The one I can always reach for comfortably is a Macallan. So it's <laughs> um it actually reminds me also of uh, this wine I bought in Bosnia called Berkic, B R K I C. And I th- I can't figure out if it's a brand name or a type of wine. It might be both. If you can get your hands on a bottle anywhere, I believe it's only made in Bosnia, but if you can get your hands on a bottle, do it. It's a white wine that is aged, I believe, in sherry casks or, or if it's whiskey casks, something, one of the two. And it just has this like wild flavor where it's like comes at you like a white wine, but it's got this like really woody, like deep flavor. And it is 
I, I mean, I, I, I've only ever been able to get one bottle at a time, and I hold on to it for like two years until I have an opportunity to, to drink it. It's incredible. But um, interesting, yeah. Local liquors can sometimes be good. Uh, not Malort, though. Don't. Oh, oh. God. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Malort is to liquor as Ludafisk is to food, basically. So. Malort was the reason that I was sober as a church mouse when I saw Jawbreaker at Riot Fest because I was still recovering the entire day <laughs> after going out with uh, my cousin and her boyfriend and just going to a dive bar in um, downtown Chicago. I can't, of course, I can't remember what its name is because Billy Goat Tavern? Uh, no, it was not Billy Goat. It was a okay. different one. All right. Anyway, um, but. Basically, the only the only two things that I could drink for less than six dollars were the mystery shot that they had, <laughs> or a PBR and Malort uh-huh. as like the chaser for PBR. I'm I'm gonna go off on a quick Chicago bars for cheap tangent here. If you're ever in Chicago near the financial district, so um, the Loop. Go to a bar named Ceres, C-E-R-E-S. It's in the Board of Trade building. It closes at something like 6 or 7 o'clock. So it's meant for the folks who are in the building working. It's not a late night bar. But if you go there and you order a gin and tonic, back in 2011, I paid 5 bucks for it. It came out. The guy put down a rocks glass full of a clear liquid and then put down an unopened can of tonic next to it. So that sounds like a gin and tonic to me. (laughs) You got you got to finish a little bit of that gin to get the tonic in there, and that's true for all of their drinks. So uh, go go to series if you can. Um, Let's move now into a segment that we call the pub, where we cover English soccer. This week we're not actually going to a pub; we're going to the milk factory because. it's so wholesome. It's wonderful milk. Everyone's happy to get some milk in the morning. It makes your bones stronger. And uh, and oh. you especially need your bones to be strong if you are in the tunnel after a Manchester derby. Yeah, also a very convenient thing to throw at the opposition manager uh, if, if, if you're playing in the Manchester derby and celebrating in your, in your locker room as he walks in. Yeah, um... So I, for one, would not want milk thrown at me because once that shit gets warm... Oh, it gets smelly. Yeah, it really does. It's sticky too, man. Yeah. And you know yeah. some of those guys don't wash their hair because of the like natural greasiness it provides and stuff. So uh, probably not not a great thing to have milk around soccer players uh, when it's going to get tossed around. But hey, um, let's talk about this game. Manchester United versus Manchester City. City getting the 2-1 win at Old Trafford, man. Uh, Jose Mourinho parked the bus in his own garage. <laughs> But he forgot to turn off the keys, I think. <laughs> I mean, how... Dude tried to do this against Pep's Barcelona, who arguably, this city team is as good, if not better, than 2009 Barcelona. I'm not going to say they're as good as 2009 Barcelona, really? but they are, they are darn good. They are blowing away opposition in... in uh, the EPL, which is known as being more physical than La Liga. And that Barca team, I mean, was excellent. But this team, I mean, this City team has shown itself to be a little bit more versatile than just Tiki Taka. Yeah, I I will say that the physicality is definitely tilted in Man City's favor. I, I still wish that I could see 2009 Barca play against any team in the world. But... True. um. How Jose Mourinho felt as though he lost out on a draw as a result of a penalty decision that was very, very much correct yeah. astounds me. Well, and and how do you how do you put guys like I mean, if you look at this game, Lukaku was somewhere near the opposition goal. Every other United player was in the box. Like, that's how it seemed. I'm exaggerating a little bit, of course. But how do you... Not, not by that un- much. Not by that much. Yeah, how do you not unleash United's attacking talent? I mean, come on, Jose. Like, you're never going to beat Pep um, by holding down like that. The way that you do a Jose Mourinho beating this Man City team is you get that team to press for about 30, 35 minutes mm-hmm. and then park the bus. 
That's what they did against Arsenal, and they looked fantastic. Yeah. And that did not happen here. So, um, do, do you feel like reading out this quote? Are you, do you, do you, are you going to do that? Um, oh, oh, why don't you go ahead? Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Mourinho claims missed penalty when under her dove in the box. My first reaction is I feel sorry for Michael Oliver. Because he had a very good match. But unfortunately, he made an important mistake. Mourinho told BBC Match of the Day. The result was made with a big penalty not given. That would have been 2-2. Michael was unlucky because it was a clear penalty. Insert Ron Howard voiceover. It wasn't right there. Um, my and God, I mean... After this game, City players celebrating like they'd won the World Cup, essentially, in the dressing room at Old Trafford, which apparently was poor form. Bullshit. They just won a huge derby. I think they'd snap some sort of like losing streak at Old Trafford, too. So the fact they're celebrating, duh, obviously. The, the bigger problem was that Mourinho, as we mentioned earlier, did go off into this opposition dressing room to have a word. Some of his players followed him. Mikel Arteta ended up with... A cut on his face. Don't you fucking touch Mikel Arteta. Right. Lormelu Lukaku apparently threw a bottle at Arteta, which, I mean, no one's going to throw bottles at Arteta. He's too nice. So who the hell was this bottle intended for? Tito Villanova, who Jose has typically, like, scrounged his eyes out last time he had a big fight against an opposition team. He's dead. So. Yeah, there's a reason that he wasn't in the locker room. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm just wondering who this bottle was intended for. I'd like to believe it was a bottle of conditioner that was ironically being thrown at David Silva because he used to have hair that needed conditioning, but now is very short. And but I mean, not. if it was towards Mikel Arteta, like, he doesn't need conditioner for his hair. It's just always perfect. Anyway. No, 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 but I was saying it was thrown at David Silva. Arteta then came in the way because he was like, conditioner, what? Yay. No, no, he would avoid it because his hair is luxurious enough anyways. Oh, okay. All like. Right. Mikel Arteta has better hair than Robert Perez. That's saying something. True. Uh, You can also go put Manchester City, Manchester United locker room bust up infographic into Google to find a helpful graphic illustrating what happened uh, with this fight. Now, it's time for us, though, to move on to what was probably Caleb's favorite game of the weekend. Liverpool won. Everton won. I don't think it was his favorite game. Ah, Probably not. Most of it was his favorite game. Until most of it was his favorite game. <laughs> oh, yes. Salah what did is score. wrong with you? <laughs> Mo Salah did score a great goal for the first goal of this game. It was an even better dribble to get enough rim to shoot. It was fantastic. And Liverpool obviously doing quite well most of this game, but then conceding a penalty in towards the end. I believe Wayne Rooney was the person who was brought down. Uh, no, it was Dominic uh, Calvert-Lewin. But Wayne Rooney, I think, made a pass to him. So yeah. I know Rooney was involved in some way. No, which Rooney makes it took amusing. the penalty. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So naturally, Rooney had to be the guy to ruin it. Oh, God, I hate you. I hate you almost as much as I hate waking up for like very early games, which is why I didn't watch this this particular matchup. Um, now, Lovren with his five. Analgesic pills before the game. Why was he even there? Um. Well, here's the thing. Jurgen Klopp doesn't understand how to put a back four together. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry, Caleb. I know that you might listen to this. Um, Jurgen Klopp doesn't give a fuck about defense. Should we should we say some things about Caleb right now just to make sure whether he's listening or not? Um, like you know, we'll check because if he says something to us and he's been listening, but if he doesn't say anything to us, his dad will listen, which is yeah. the funny thing. Like Caleb will not listen, but his dad will. Yeah. So maybe his dad will tell Caleb, and then so our our like gambit here will will be lost. Um, Caleb's dad, if you're listening to this, buy him the new sorority noise record because Caleb needs to listen to that. Okay. All right. Sounds good. You don't ever give my dad record recommendations for me. What the hell, man? I'm feeling left out here. I said this last episode. Suddenly, you guys are all like, buddy, buddy, best episode ever. And uh, now I'm being left out I, in I'm, the cold. I'm sorry such. that I don't listen to Chill Wave. I don't know what to tell you, man. You already <sighs> listened to all of the records that I would be like, hey, Notch would like this. Okay. Uh, speaking of records that I like, Wham! Beat Chelsea 1-0. Ho, ho, ho! Uh... And uh, I guess next Christmas, they'll give the gold to someone else special. I, I 
that kind of worked i think i think uh, upon too far upon too far yeah um i mean the fact that somebody should have given george michael their heart on last christmas because that's when oh god stop it Anywho, i hate you um david Moyes <laughs> dropped joe hart to the bench By the finally way, I, I think i've said i've hit you three times in this podcast i'm fairly certain like, i'm gonna say it once more and it'll cancel it all out but anyway like you're saying what did you say about joe hart um so joe hart is now on the bench <laughs> he's sitting in david Moyes' dark room so that now david Moyes doesn't need to go in there uh, let's be fair watching west ham he still needs to go in there yeah, now it's just Joe Hart will be yeah. there with him, hanging out, and um, God, that's gonna get really awkward with some of the things that happen in the dark room. Um, but uh, so he had to play um, Adrian uh, last match, and it didn't go so terribly. And that was his excuse to drop Adrian. Joe. Adrian, <laughs> yo, Adrian. So, so he got a clean sheet against freaking Chelsea, man. Let's be fair. There were 19 shots. Only two of them were on target. So I don't know if Adrian is the reason that they had the clean sheet, but yeah, it helps. It it well, Chelsea Chelsea fans um making a fool of themselves afterwards when they played Huddersfield today when they chanted you'll never have the uh, they, they said something like champions of England you'll never be able to say that which is incorrect because Huddersfield won the Ch- English championship 31 years before Arsenal ever did and they won it three times in a row and one of like three teams that have actually accomplished that so I'm I'm fairly certain <laughs> that you mean Chelsea instead of Arsenal did I say Arsenal? Yeah, you did. Oh, my bad. No, yeah, I, uh, yeah Chelsea fans play Huddersfield. I'm pretty certain that Arsenal beat Huddersfield to the... Right, 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 yeah. right. It, it's, it's Chelsea fans were chanting Huddersfield. And, I mean, to be fair, none of them had been fans of English soccer until 2004. Yeah, so, and, you know. and certainly none of them had been Chelsea fans. Exactly, that. exactly. So, anyway, moving along... Burnley beat Stoke City 1-0. They have now played one more game than Liverpool in fifth place, but end up in fourth place, which is their highest place since, I think, 1975. 1975, indeed. It is also their best start to the season in 50 years. So Sean Dyche is going to find himself in a pretty, 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 pretty good place soon. Pretty, pretty good. The stuff he's been able to achieve with Burnley is in incredible crystal palace beat watford two to one which means that palace are out of the bottom three despite losing eight of their first nine games this year incredible revival against uh or under hudson i think it's an even more incredible revival after what happened on the weekend um or midweek they tied bournemouth 2-2 christian penteke missed the winner which the the funny thing is he's not scored since April, so the Crystal Palace managed to get a penalty in stoppage time and decided and Benteke decided, Well, this is my time to get a penalty, and he's not the designated penalty taker, Mihailovic is. Benteke takes the ball, uh, refuses to give it up, insists on taking the freaking penalty, and then Begovic saves it. <laughs> oh, the scenes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to describe this that isn't sexual, but <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was it was very very amusing. Christian Benteke is probably going to be doing something else um, and not playing for Crystal Palace next year. Let's move now into a segment we call "They Don't Call It Soccer" in brackets. Some do, though, where we talk about soccer from the rest of the world that we haven't talked about yet. First up. CR7 won the Ballon d'Or. Ronaldo is uh, the best in the world and uh, was not very modest about that fact. He said, I am the best. I think something like in my era right now or something. I don't even know what. But he was not modest. Let's put it that way. It's a shame. Shame on you, sir. Yeah. The worst part of this, though, is that guess who Lionel Messi's defender was after this? Who? Joey Barton. Ah, now that makes yeah. me want to agree with Ronaldo. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He went off on him for those comments, and and now I have to say, I'm, do we say that Neymar is the best now? Oh like, God! Please, no, never, 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 never. The only I mean, thing I hate more than Neymar is Atlanta United. So, um, the only thing that is stopping Neymar from being the best in the world right now 
is Notch in FIFA 18 because his character that he has modeled specifically after <laughs> himself is keeping Neymar out of the PSG side. <laughs> Let's now move into talking about Liga MX Ligila final. Monterrey getting beat by Tigres 2-1 this week, and Tigres win 3-2 on aggregate. So this was another one where I knew it was going on. I knew I should probably turn it on. And then I saw the Twitter blow up about how good that first half was. So I I flipped it on. It, it was pretty fantastic in that first half. Okay. Not going to lie. Um, Monterey started out the scoring. It basically, it seemed like they were just going to press Tigres, and it, it worked for five minutes, and then Tigres turned into Tigres. And as usual, Rob Schneider was there, uh, Deuce Bigelow, American soccer fan of Mexican soccer. And uh, in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich defeated Eintracht Frankfurt, one nil, and this is happening despite the fact that their second choice goalkeeper Ulreich was injured in warm-ups, which meant that they had to pull their academy goalkeeping coach Tom Stark, uh, he of Winterfell, out of retirement to play in this game. I, I hear that I'm supposed to find that funny because of Game of Thrones, but I whatever. See, I did it again, fourth time. Now they all canceled out. Dortmund got. Didn't they win this week? Oh no! The, this is this is the game that led to. Peter Bosch being fired. They lost yes. to Werder Bremen 2-1 to at home, which was bad. Peter Bosch finally being let go, and they hired in the guy named... Uh, what's his name now? I'm trying to... Uh, Peter Stoger, that's right. Yes. And then managed to defeat today Mainz 2-0. So, good, good job, Stoger. Yeah. Stop being a Peter, I guess. Right, exactly. Um... In the Köln versus Freiburg match, the referee had to actually count the steps from the goal line to the penalty spot because there was enough snow on the ground that they couldn't actually distinguish the white marking of the penalty spot from the mud and uh, muck, snowy muck lying around. Very amusing little scene as the referee chose, players just st- stared down. I chose not to watch that highlight because PTSD. Ah, yes, from uh, from the the the, the um, snowprinter. Oh, yeah. God. I... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I had. Thanks, thanks for taking me there. Yeah. I Took had me to a bring second this to down. process it myself. But um, anyway, let's move on to the Champions League and Europa League draw. Uh, UA playing Spurs. Um, that's a that's going to be a good matchup. We got Basel playing City. Goodbye, Basel. Porto playing Liverpool. I think that's a banana peel moment for Liverpool if they if they can't bring themselves to to really give it everything. Sorry, Caleb. Um, Sevilla get Man United. Which will be a... I honestly think that could be a banana peel moment. Really? Sevilla? I don't know. But maybe. You're right. I mean, Liverpool had it against them, so... Yeah. Um, Now we get into probably the two biggest matchups. Uh, Real Madrid get PSG. Which, to me, is just like, you know, that that, um, uh, gif for the guy saying, like, nodding and then, let them fight. That makes me happy. Let let these two teams that I dislike knock each other out and... I just think it's that Rihanna song that goes like, all I see is science, all I see is Dallas science. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea play Barca. It's a fucking disgrace. Drogbudge.gif. And uh, um, Bayern playing Besiktas. Um, I wonder if this is the end of come to Besiktas because Bayern will go to Besiktas and destroy Besiktas. So... I mean, yeah. assuming that it's the Yupankis version, sure. Um, Shakhtar get Roma in the last matchup. Uh, the Europa League draw, Arsenal draw Ostersons of the Swedish Allsvenskan. Who? So, the team was founded in the same month that Arsene Wenger came to Arsenal. Uh, they, I know. They moved to the second tier in 2013. Uh-huh. After two successive promotions, they were promoted to the Osvenskan for the 2016 season and then promptly made it to the Europa League in their first year. Uh, they are home to the only English-born coach still in a Euro competition, Graham Potter. And apparently, David Akam from the Chicago Fire used to play for them. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Grant Potter, interestingly enough, the reason he's able to succeed as an English coach in Europe is because of some very curious spells that his family has cast for him. So anyway, we'll see what Potter is able to do. Are you next. sure that they're casting them? Because I mean, they're they're all dead. Oh, I didn't. His read, entire I, family died. Like I that's read that's. The books. I haven't read the books. All right. Like this is. It's it's one of those things that I have not achieved in my life. So I'm Some, sorry. Isn't aren't they in the like fantastic whatever's in the whoever whatever? No. Okay, I, I have no idea. Think right? so. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, buddy, just back off, man. You know, I'm Colin. I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but I get really mad at people who haven't watched Harry Potter or read his books. Me, 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 me. I'm just saying, like, dude. Get an ABC Family pass for, like, uh, the seven days around Christmas. You're going to see every single one of the Harry Potter movies. I should do that just to watch that terrible uh, Greek show, like the fraternity show Greek, which is like a whole... I mean, how you make a family show out of fraternity life, I do not know, but ABC did it for, like, four seasons. So, uh, I'm not... I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Going back to the Europa League, uh, Atletico Madrid have drawn... Copenhagen and then Celtic play Zenit, Lyon play Villarreal, Dortmund play Atalanta. I wish it was Atlanta United to add some more games to their schedule. Um, that would tire them out. Sporting Lisbon play Astana from Kazakhstan. Greatest country in the world. And also, according to UEFA, this is the furthest distance between two teams who have ever played at a UEFA club knockout tournament. We are currently in the running for the furthest distance length uh, between the start of a podcast and the end of it. So with that, it's time now to move into a segment that we call the Reynolds Wrap-Up, where Colin takes a soccer conspiracy theory you know you've been thinking about and makes sense of it for you. So I don't know if we talked about this when it originally happened in January, but you, or um, FIFA rather, um, put down an additional seven-match ban to the Timor-Leste Football Federation in January of 2017, it was revealed that they had falsified documents on nine Brazilian players to make it so they could, quote-unquote, be eligible to play for Timor Lest. <laughs> now, I, I know that there is a colonial history with Papua New Guinea and Brazil that you have to worry about, but... Nine players <laughs> over 29 games <laughs> played for Timor Lest who were ineligible. Uh, I will say this, though. I looked into the forged documents, and I was very disappointed. All of them were just white out, and it scribbled on there, Timor Lest, for the parents' birthplaces. That's how they got away with it. They basically said that the parents were born in Timor Lest, which would therefore allow them to claim citizenship. Mm -hmm. If you look behind the whiteout, though, all of those birth certificates say Hawaii on it. Hmm. Like. Wait, long form, short form? Um, short form. Okay. So I don't know if we can honestly say. That all of these documents are legitimate. Mm. And by that, I mean legitimate fakes. Okay. Like, what's going on here? What is FIFA hiding by saying the Timor Lest of all such deserving, deserving teams? All they wanted to do was break their 12-game losing streak. Literally, they had lost 12 games in a row and decided, hey, well, let's just stack the deck with some Brazilians and say that they're from here. Like, I know Croatia did that with Eduardo back in the day. Hmm. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if it's a bad fake and it all says Hawaii and it's all short form, maybe the fakes are fakes. Oh, man. Jeez. You're just throwing doubt on the entire ability of the state of Hawaii to make birth certificates right now. This is crazy. I mean, like, we've we've had some revelations on this podcast. I don't know about... I mean, like, wow, this one's the biggest one. Jeez. Maybe I should turn this into a political career. No, I mean, I, no, no, I think it, no, no, it, it takes no. about eight years for that to work. And then uh -huh. I turn 35 in eight years. I mean, you've got that Alex Jones bod going that you could, like, 
you know, we just need to get you a bunch of green screen, a little mic that sits on a. On you know a what table. the worst part of that is? Yeah. I saw a picture of Alex Jones shirtless on a horse today when oh, they were wow. making fun of Roy Moore. <laughs> and have you tried that? Uh, no, no, I have not. But um, you give it a shot. Yeah, I think I probably have better horse riding form than Roy Moore does. I'll tell you that much. Uh huh. Okay. Well, watch I, the I, video. It's fucking hideous. Oh, okay. I I know very little about horse riding, so I probably would not be able to 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 tell at oh, all. Oh, oh, trust me. I know nothing about horse riding. I only know about horse gambling. Uh-huh. But that was some terrible horse riding right there. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Well, um, on that bombshell, why don't you tell the good people where they can find your hot takes about horse riding? Um, you can find me fighting with Alex Schaefer Decker on Twitter at the attachment. Why were you fighting with Schaefer? Because he was way too obsessed about that fucking Harrison Heath trade. <laughs> like, just just let it go, man. Trust me, <laughs> there are worse cases of nepotism in there. <laughs> I did not see this. That's very God. amusing. I, I do enjoy when Sheaf Sheaf gets very passionate about stuff. It's Sheaf very cool. mad about things is like the best thing on Twitter. It really is. He 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 is very very um passionate yes uh you can find my passion and hot takes and retweets at two united fans you can find this podcast on fine podcast providers everywhere we always appreciate when you tell your friends about us to so do that with that we bid you adieu go watch star wars we shall come to you next week goodbye